Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Hour 2 of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Thursday. It's July 27th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take your calls around 11.15 if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060 is the number. But let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, piggybacking off of the preview that Bob had with how Howard Balzer of GoPHNX.com. And the question here is the 2023 Arizona Cardinals win total over four and a half wins or under four and a half wins and under remains leading in uh, leading the way at 75 percent of the vote over sitting at 25 percent. Yeah, the four and a half. You know, I remember back at the start of the offseason when we uh, had some of the early places post numbers. For season win totals, the Cardinals were five and a half. Then as we uh, went a little further on in uh, the spring and the summer, it got down to five. And now seemingly everywhere is posting four and a half. I couldn't find anybody uh, that was, uh, you know, you know the, the next lowest total I could come up with was five and a half. It's just as far as consensus win totals for the season league-wide. And that was Houston. Uh, so you know, they're one game worse than everybody else as far as season win totals go. We will answer this question around 11.30. We'll also get into Arizona Cardinals discussion more in depth here shortly, but tossing this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Should the Diamondbacks seriously consider adding an impact bat before Tuesday's trade deadline? Uh, yes, yes is out in front at 66.7% of the vote, no trailing at 33.3%. This completely comes from Mike Hazen's uh, you know, pregame press conference yesterday in which he addressed the local media or whoever else wanted to listen, if they were local or not, uh, for the final time before the trade deadline. And as you might expect, uh, one of the questions was about uh, the, uh, the bullpen, and he definitely acknowledged that that needs to get better, but he also kind of went off on a tangent, I think was a better, I think you know, t- tangent's a good word, uh, about how you know the fact that the bullpen has been put in situ- some situations where there's no margin for error uh, because the offense hasn't produced enough. And certainly many things have gone wrong. Uh, I actually think that they really haven't played good baseball really since the first couple weeks of June, quite frankly. Uh, and they just didn't really catch up until the, uh, the end of the the first half, so to speak, of the season before the All-Star break. And obviously it's been terrible since then. But they're, they're, they're uh, clutch hitting or you know, delivering with runners in scoring position has been awful. And that this is, uh, be, you know, he mentioned this before yesterday. And then the Diamondbacks yesterday were two for 16 with runners in scoring position in that loss to the Cardinals. 
We'll answer this question around 11.30. And as it is, we were discussing how Otani is pitching with the Angels today in the first of a doubleheader against Detroit. Uh, it's in the bottom of the fourth now. The Angels have a 3 nothing lead. But how has Otani looked after kind of shaking his, his pitching arm after uh, going to first base in trying to cover first base? Right. He had a collision with the runner. I'm not sure who the runner was. My bad on that. But... Uh... Yeah, he went. He got. He struck out Javi Baez, the next hitter. But hell, you know, you I in the kitchen sink can strike out Javi Baez if you don't throw him a fastball, and he he didn't throw anything but breaking pitches to Baez, which he would have been doing anyway. Uh, and then he's come back and he's looked okay. The problem is here. This is against the Tigers, and they're one of the worst offenses in baseball. So you know, I'm sure he's okay. I assume he's okay. He just struck out somebody in another breaking pitch in the dirt for another strikeout here. But the Tigers' offense is not exactly a big challenge. You know, I mentioned uh, the other day, maybe even yesterday, uh, that Otani's earned run average is, you know, 370-something now. I mean, he's, he's not been a good pitcher this year. He's okay. Uh, he has a ton of strikeouts, but he's not been an effective pitcher. And seldom has he been an effective pitcher and really put his team in the best position to win. He's done that very seldom since the first, really the first part of June. He's been unbelievable at the plate uh, since that time. And he might—I'm assuming, I'm guessing here—but uh, he, he's amongst. If he's not the leader in home runs in baseball since June 1st, he's pretty damn close. And uh, yeah, his base running has always been, I think, spectacular. Uh, but right now, I think the worst thing he actually does is pitch. And uh, we'll continue to update that here throughout the rest of the show. But let's turn our attention here to the Arizona Cardinals as they did, in fact, begin training camp yesterday. The first open public practice is today. And, of course, the Saturday, back together Saturday that's happening across the NFL will take place for the Arizona Cardinals as well this this Saturday from State Farm Stadium. Uh, some takeaways from what Jonathan Gannon said when he met the media. Conversations he had with Buda Baker, uh, according to Gannon, Baker is excited. He has a big smile on his face. He'll be out there. Added that he's 100% participation. And, obviously, we'll have to see how that all unfolds with the offseason that Buda Baker and the Cardinals had. Yeah, I know he got some kind of contract boost because of some bonuses and stuff that kick in as soon as he shows up today officially and practices. So that's going on too. That's always, uh, I don't know, I didn't know about that until a couple hours ago. In fact, I didn't know that until after I talked to Howard. Uh, so that's just been reported this morning. So I don't know if that makes him happier uh doesn't put him anywhere near the highest paid safety in football uh so we'll see what happens with that so there's uh that's i guess issue number one is he's here booty being here and uh, i guess he's participating or going to participate we'll see if he's officially out there today uh, then it comes to a couple of other takeaways here that I saw. Uh, just asked about his philosophy in training camp and, and how physical they will be in training camp. And according to Gannon here, very physical. It's a combat sport, so we'll be physical this training camp. I don't know why this stuck out to me. I mean, obviously, football is a very physical sport. Uh, I guess I've just never really heard someone say that it's a combat sport. <laughs> that's true it's good, like stealing stuff from dan campbell here yeah yeah um yeah that's i expect him to say that right um, you would yeah i think that 
it's good. I'm certainly because there's so much, um, uh, there's so many questions on the offensive line. They've got a billion offensive linemen. They have, as Howard mentioned, they have like 16 offensive linemen on the roster. Uh, so they got to sort this out. Uh, and we really don't know who's playing where except for left tackle and right tackle, I think. And then we're going to figure out everything else as we kind of go along here. Uh, and the fact that their defensive, especially their interior line, you know, they lose Zach Allen and, and you know, J.J. Watt, and they haven't come close, as you might expect, nor should they come close to expect to replace those guys in you know, six months or whatever. Uh, so I would assume that what he means by physical is that you know, those guys, there's a lot of guys on both sides of the line that have to win jobs here because you know, a lot of these guys you know, have never really done much, quite frankly. And a lot of these guys certainly uh, were not drafted by the current administration, which has been intact for all of seven months. Yeah, you're definitely right there on the offensive line and defensive lines, for that matter, as to you know who's going to win jobs, where are they going to line up, and and those are certainly going to be battles. And I think to to see how things move uh, throughout preseason games as well as to who's getting the majority of the reps, who's starting with certain units here, to to see how that's all going to unfold, that is a big question mark for me for. For obviously we know about the offensive line, but flipping it to the defensive line uh, is just where they're going to get that pass rush from. Well, that's going to be from the outside. I can't imagine that's going to be from the interior guys. So I think that that's going to be from yeah outside. You know, I think a lot of there's some confusion because you really to me you have the down defensive linemen and you know basically the outside linebackers are the ones that are doing the pass rushing unless there's some blitzing from the linebacker spots or safety or wherever. So, but I do think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we have no idea in some cases who are actually the starting offensive and defensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if it went into a few games into the season before we actually, and before they actually are able to settle settle in on guys that they feel confident in. Guys could look good in training camp. God knows guys can look good in preseason games and then we never hear from them ever again. And then once the season starts, some guys that stand out in the first you know, five or six weeks before a real game is played, well, they suck when it actually matters when the games start and they're replaced and somebody else comes in. There's, I think competition is the word here. That's not necessarily a good thing. I think that most teams would like to have their offensive and defensive lines settled uh, before training camp even starts. But I can't imagine there are a few teams in the NFL that has more uncertainty in those two areas in the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, definitely. And then, you know, we continue to watch, you know, where is Isaiah Simmons going to line up? We know that in some mini camps and uh, offseason programs, it looks like he was moving more in the direction of working with the secondary. So we'll see how he kind of lines up in all of those particular roles. And then flipping this all back to the offensive side of things, but at wide receiver, you have Marquise Brown, you have Rondell Moore, questions there for if he can stay healthy. You have Greg Dorch, is his emergence for real? They drafted Michael Wilson. He's the bigger body receiver. So question marks there at the wide receiver uh, grouping as well. Yeah, if Greg Dortch is factoring, well, they're bad now. I mean, I didn't understand how he could be on an NFL roster as a wide receiver before even last year. He's a good kick returner. If he's on the field as an NFL starting receiver, either A, your team isn't any good, or B, you are desperate. 
Uh, so if he factors in, that's because Hollywood Brown, who has not exactly been a pillar of health in his career, or uh, Rondell Moore, who unfortunately had one really healthy season at uh, Purdue when he was a freshman, and he was incredible, arguably the best freshman and the biggest impact freshman in college football. But since then, he's had injuries pretty much the rest of his career, including his first couple of years here. Uh, after you know, Those are the guys you're, quote, counting on. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And uh, they've got some veteran guys that they've brought in who have some experience, some of, this, some of the experience with this coaching staff in other places. Uh, so you know, I think that that's uh, yet another uh, – they've got – the only position that I actually think that they should be really set at is safety. Uh, assuming Baker is okay and he's mentally and physically here, uh, and Jalen Thompson, I think, has been – he's had he, – I don't think he had as good a season last year as – he was tremendous two years ago. And he's a guy that I loved when he came out of uh, Washington State, the supplemental draft. But I actually think – and Howard mentioned this when we had him on the last uh, – during the sports zone. I think that uh, that's you know, one of the stronger safety combinations in the NFL. Other than that, uh, I don't know really what their strength would be, quite frankly. Uh, the running back position as well. So, you know, it's set with James Conner. Now it's figuring out who's backing him up. Keontae Ingram, uh, he'd be in his second season here. And then listed depth chart-wise right now is Corey Clement and then Tyson Williams. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, Conner just uh, has not been a guy that's been healthy throughout uh, many, uh, maybe one entire season, and that was 16 games. Uh, in the NFL, uh, and he missed some time last year. He missed games. He, in, he was injured and left some other games. Uh, so Ingram, who certainly was interesting in his college days at a couple different places, including USC, and I actually liked him in training camp in the preseason last year. He has ball skills for sure, especially catching the ball. Uh, but, uh, you know, the running back position, I, I was pretty surprised not pretty surprised, very surprised they didn't bring in a veteran, another veteran running back at some point during the offseason. I thought for sure they would draft at least one or two running backs in the, in the offseason. And it uh, seems like that they have done almost nothing to upgrade the running back position from the end of last season when it was questionable at the end of last season. So when it just comes to uh, the player prop market, as we were talking there about um, uh, James Conner, he is over 675 and a half rushing yards minus 112, under 675 and a half rushing yards minus 112. And uh, the most regular season tackles and assists, if you wanted to take a shot at Buda Baker, he's 60 to 1. Uh, those were the two player props that I saw currently listed for the Cardinals. When it comes to the the division here this is the discrepancy okay, let's take a time take a time out here i it would be just uh that's got to be an odds makers nightmare to come up with any numbers for james connor because how many games do you actually you know project him playing uh if baker leads this team in tackles first up it's never a good thing for a safety to lead your team in tackles i don't care what level of football you're talking high school peewee college or pro you do not want a safety being your leading tackler. And uh, that would be just, a, that would be the Cardinals. You know, I can't imagine I'm going to say this. They would be even worse than I think they're going to be if he's their leading tackler. 
Uh, just the discrepancy in the NFC West with the 49ers, who we were talking about yesterday at minus 160, the Seahawks at plus 195 to win the division, the Rams 10 to 1, and the Cardinals at 27 to 1. And just a brief look at the schedule here. Uh, to get things started, the Cardinals will go on the road at the Commanders. Then they'll be home for week two and three, hosting the Giants and the Cowboys. And then week four, they're on the road at the 49ers. So that could be a tough uh, first four games for the Cardinals. Well, actually, the first two games are, you know, I think that some might think, hey, they're going to win eight games this season. Here's your time. Uh, the next four game stretch is really t- difficult. They Bang. also have, they have, they have a stretch during the season where they have a four game and five games, four games on the road and a five game stretch. And, you know, it's imagined, hard to imagine that they're going to win a whole lot of games anyway, based on the 400, four and a half win total. But how many teams, road games might this team actually win? And as a, as you mentioned, I believe, and I mentioned earlier, and I have more than once, even before today, uh, there are several uh, odds makers that have posted uh, the odds for every game in the NFL this season, and the Cardinals are the only team that are, they're not favored to win any of those games this season. Not a one. Yeah, you mentioned that next stretch there. Week five, they're hosting the Bengals. Then week six on the road at uh, Los Angeles Rams. Then week seven at the Seahawks. Week eight, uh, hosting the Ravens. And if you want to think that the Browns are going to be improved, week nine at the Browns. So that stretch there, uh, five through nine, could be a challenge there. And then they conclude the season, week 15 versus the 49ers. Week 16 at the Bears. Week 17 at the Eagles. And week 18 at the Seahawks. Something that you talked about uh, yesterday with the NFL doing a lot there toward the end of the year uh, with divisional matchups and specifically there with the NFC West conclusion of the Seahawks. You got some cold weather games involved there too and you know, the Cardinals history and uh, cold weather, not good. Um, actually, a lot of teams uh, that play in uh, warm climates, uh, most of those teams have not had a good history playing in cold weather games in December or now they play the schedule into January. So we'll get into more NFL on the other side of the break. We'll find out uh, what Sean Payton has been up to. Aaron Rodgers has been up to as well. We'll take your phone calls if you'd like to join the show, 602-260-1060. And then we'll answer around 1130 with the poll questions about the Cardinals' four-and-a-half win-loss total from Las Vegas. Minus 102 over, minus 120 under, four-and-a-half wins is the last that I saw as of yesterday. But we'll take your calls. 602 260 1060 and get into more NFL next. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kim from 9 to 10 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060, KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app. Eleven twenty-seven here 
on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays continuing our NFL discussion. Let's get into Aaron Rodgers as he's taking a $35 million pay cut to play with the Jets. It's a two-year deal with $75 million guaranteed through 2024. There is language in there that I guess technically makes it like a five-year deal so that like the money can be spread and whatever, making it work for the New York Jets. And the 2023 cap number is just under $9 million, so that's giving them flexibility. And then with the news of that, Dalvin Cook's hopping on an airplane, and he's going to New York to visit the Jets this weekend, according to Tom Pelissero. Um these are playmakers. This doesn't impact the offensive line. So does exactly. Dalvin Cook uh, potentially joining the Jets change your mind at all? The thing that changes my mind is uh, you know, if he joins the Jets, I want no part of Brees Hall in a fantasy draft. How's that? Um, you know, Brees Hall obviously was uh, – you know, looked like he was headed to the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year before he went down with the ACL last year during the season. Uh, not surprisingly, he started the uh, the uh, the uh, camp on. They started camp last week on the pup list. They said he's expected to be back by week one. The fact that they're this interested in Cook at this point makes me wonder if they're telling the truth that Hall is expected to be back by week one. So next up on the list of explosive items for the NFL is that Sean Payton, he didn't hold back in an article (laughs) by Jarrett Bell of USA Today. I'll get into some of the quotes here momentarily that certainly caught my attention. But the first thing after I got done reading all of this was, did someone remind Sean Payton that he's now the head coach of the Denver Broncos and that he's not of an analyst on Fox anymore, so he doesn't actually have to provide these takes. He can just go coach the team, right? Because it seems like he's opened himself up and his, his quarterback up here uh, if things don't go well. Well, he was pretty opinionated about his own team and other teams and other coaches and other players when he was with the Saints. Uh, so... Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons he was in such hot demand as a uh, as a commentator. Not just the fact that he won a Super Bowl and used to be a successful coach, is I think they're pretty sure they knew he knew uh, they knew he was going to say something, and just wasn't going to you know do the usual BS and not say anything. Uh, so I think that's the first thing there. Uh, also, I didn't read the story from Jared, who by the way, after the Cardinals lost that Super Bowl to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, the last buses out of the stadium that night in Tampa. I did a thing with uh, Craig Fooey uh, late night, and that was like several hours after the game uh, and so forth because you have to factor into the East Coast, West Coast time. But I, I remember going on the – we were like a, on the last bus back to the hotel, uh, the media hotel, and uh, it was Jarrett Bell and myself and a couple of people I didn't even know. Uh, but uh, Jerry was just kind of like every five minutes, like, can you believe the Cardinals lost that game? <laughs> so that's, that's my, my first Jared Bell thing. But I didn't read the story, but what I did, I've read what I've seen this morning and just you know, a couple excerpts and what the, seemingly has made the most headlines. It doesn't seem like he said anything that was inaccurate. 
No, he definitely was pretty pretty honest about everything, had a good assessment here. Uh, so first and foremost, the things that caught my attention from the story here is Sean Payton saying he's going to be upset uh, if this is not a playoff team. Well, let's just look here what Vegas thinks. Over under eight and a half wins, over eight and a half wins at plus 106, under eight and a half wins at minus 132. The AFC West, you have the Chiefs. They're minus 180 to win the division. The Chargers at plus 300, then the Broncos at plus 700, and the Raiders sitting at 15 to 1. Uh, So that's just, guess what, Sean Payton thinks about this team and um, the talent that they do have and putting them in better positions to succeed. So let's continue on, though. He's not shy about talking about the organization as a whole. Quote, it doesn't happen often where an NFL team or organization gets embarrassed, and that happened here. Part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much time trying to win the offseason, the PR, the pomp and circumstance, um, moving people around and all this stuff. Then he continues on to say, we're not doing any of that. The Jets did that this year. You watch Hard Knocks, all of it. I can see it coming. So, uh... (laughs) Yeah, we'll, we'll see how all of that translates over. Uh, yeah. But then here's the part where he's specifically talking about uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, man, there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the meeting rooms, the offense. I don't know, Hackett. A lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot, they couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. That may not all be on Hackett, which certainly uh, you and I and everybody else in the free world or the non-free world uh, criticized last year. It might be Wilson. And uh, the one thing I probably at least maybe disagree is I'm not so sure that Wilson still has it. And actually, you you know, the two teams, the two things I made the most money on last year in the NFL was betting against the Broncos from day one. And then betting uh, basically against Jacksonville for most of the season, which turned out to be profitable because for whatever reason, the odds makers and especially the betters overvalued Jacksonville and the numbers were all out of whack every week. And I took advantage of that. Uh, But I even I said even towards the end of his Seattle days, uh, does Wilson still have it? He clearly has lost a lot mobility-wise, which you would expect. He's in his 30s and so forth. But he went, he was so good at ad-libbing plays, you know, not just against the Cardinals, but against everybody. How many times did you see Russell Wilson basically ad-lib out of the play and make a huge play, whether it be running, but most likely scrambling and passing and setting guys up? He can't do that anymore. And now he's uh, almost just a drop-back passer. Their offensive line got hurt last year, which didn't help anybody, whether it be Hackett, Wilson, or anybody in the world uh, involving the Broncos. Uh, so I think those are other factors to, to throw in there. But, you know, can Wilson, I, I got serious questions before last year, even before when he was still in Seattle, how good he was. Not surprised that he wasn't effective last year. Certainly surprised he was that bad last year. And I wonder, even with Sean Payton, as good as a quarterback's guy he is, how much better can Wilson be? 
The one final thing that I'll point out here, apparently, I'm sure Sean Payton, I mean, if he actually physically made this video, then he is one talented man. But he made a video here in the spring (laughs) of an image with some team equipment staff members riding off in an orange 2022 Ford Bronco. And they removed the rear view and side mirrors to kind of say, like, hey, we're we're leaving all of this behind now and we're moving forward. (laughs) In addition to that, he put together a kind of like let let's ride, right? Yeah. Different God, version no, of Let's Ride. Let's hope that that's done. Uh, okay, pl- no, I don't, it's not. I saw Wilson the other day, and he said that. Oh, okay. It's not done. Um, There was also a scene that he put together from the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles where John Candy's character drove the wrong way on the freeway, and then the video concluded with a shot of a truck driving off of a cliff. So... He was asked about this video that he put together, and he says, quote, that was a message. They can only beat the bleep out of you so much, but everybody's got a little stink on their hands. It's not just Russell. It was a poor offensive line. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. Certainly don't disagree with that. I mean, it was terrible in every possible facet, uh, whether it was Wilson, Hackett, yeah, the offensive line being injured. Javante Williams, did he get hurt like in week one? Or was it like week one or week two when he got hurt and was out for the season? And by the way, they're not exactly sure if he's going to be completely healthy by the start of the season here too. Uh, but there were a ton of things going on. And it just kind of like uh, the thing off the cliff, was that, that's a good one. I like that <laughs> analogy there because uh, I think that definitely typifies the season. People thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Which I thought was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard at the time. And I said that before last season. Uh, You know, I know that uh, there's also more in that article as well with Russell Wilson having his own uh, quarterback coach and his own quarterback coach being around. And at least according to Sean Payton in the article uh, there from Jarrett Bell, that uh, that has all ended. That, you know, Russell still has his office. He still has, you know, his ability to watch film and have a place for him to go in the building. But that uh, some of the other things that were allowed to go on are over. So Peyton, it, it, I believe, said that when he got the inter. I think he said mentioned that was over when he got the uh, in the job in the introductory press conference. I'm pretty sure he said that then. It's pretty clear who's in charge, right? Sean Payton's in charge. So exactly. We'll, exactly. <laughs> we'll see if that translates uh, on the football field. It is a, a tough division when you still have the Chiefs doing Chiefs things, going to Super Bowls and winning them, and then the expectations of the Chargers, if they can, can live up to it. Uh, the Broncos, in your opinion, do you think should be better than the Raiders? Uh, I've asked you that too late in the break now, so we'll get into more yes. of that. <laughs> uh, poll questions, they're coming up on the other side of the break it is the extra point we'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you the rich eisen show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m here on kdus am 1060 and kdus 1060.com Eleven forty-one. 
Here on KDOS AM 1060, it is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And it's now that time. Once again, it is poll question time. Uh, Piggybacking off of the conversation that Bob had with Howard Balzer from GoPHNX.com about the Arizona Cardinals previewing training camp and looking ahead to the season. Here, the 2023 Arizona Cardinals win total over four and a half wins or under four and a half wins bob what side are you on um this is impossible for me i've never uh to my recollection bet any other any nfl team ever and i mean ever and i've been betting this things for 20 or 30 years never bet an nfl team like under five wins before maybe i don't remember a six but whatever now you got 17 games too uh, so I can't I can't make a case for the Cardinals over, and there's just no way I'm going to bet it under. But for the purpose of the question, I'm going to say under. They're just not good. I think everybody that follows the NFL just kind of sort of collect, you know, not even religiously uh, realizes because they've been told by everybody, uh, every commentator on NFL Network or ESPN that this is the worst roster in the NFL. And I haven't gone through every NFL roster yet. I've gone through about half of them now, you know, preseason preview, uh, you know, preparation and, uh, and you know, work and so forth. They're the worst roster I've seen, and I'm not real sure who's second, uh, quite frankly. And I think that they I don't think they necessarily tore this down to have the worst roster in the league, but I do think they did the right thing by tearing it down and starting over and. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not even thinking about, you know, even with Kyler Murray and Zach Ertz, if they're healthy and playing, I still think it's the worst roster in the NFL. So I'm going to go under, but like I said, that's just not my nature. These total win total things that I've been betting on forever. Uh, usually I like to bet the, uh, the, the, the high numbers under and the, the low numbers that I have a, some kind of intrigue about over. Uh, but uh, that's kind of my philosophy. But if this were like the last bet of my life, and you, Bob, you've got five minutes to make a decision here, uh, what would you do? Your last bet ever, I would actually go under four and a half. I can barely even say it. Uh, so yeah, four and a half. It's a really low number, as you pointed out here. And I, I think though you have to look at what the team did in the off season, stripping it down, rebuilding. You also have to look at the schedule here as well. Uh, NFC East teams, AFC North teams. If you just kind of look on paper as to what you think uh, those two conferences could be, it makes it for some challenging propositions for the Cardinals and just kind of where they're at. I do have questions about where is a pass rush going to come from with the Cardinals roster uh, and then in general offensively as well you know what are we going to see probably a new philosophy with a with a new head coach a new offensive coordinator uh, no Kyler Murray to start the season so there's a lot kind of going against this team right now and I pointed out in the top of our number one that I see a lot of growing pains and with that that doesn't always mean that that translates to wins so uh, for the purposes of the question I would say under four and a half wins as well the okay. masses 
are on the underside of things at 73% of the vote, over four and a half wins at 27%. That's the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Should the Diamondbacks seriously consider adding an impact bat before Tuesday's trade deadline? I think for me, my answer remains somewhat similar to what I said about trading for starting pitching is that uh, it's important that if you're going to make a move, that there is long term flexibility with whoever you're trading for. And that doesn't usually take place at the trade deadline, though, because I think that just going for a rental doesn't necessarily get you uh, to the to the level that you want to get to. They're certainly building something. There's good pieces here. There's foundational pieces. And so you want to do something that's going to keep all of that moving in the right direction. So uh, upending any sort of future pieces uh, that are important just for an impact bat, uh, I'm not sure is what you want. You kind of have to figure out um, what you're giving up in order to get that impact bat back and if there's some flexibility with that player after just the end of the season. Okay, I've completely flipped on uh, what the Diamondbacks should even be trying to think about right now. And largely based on not just the last 10 games, which have been awful, obviously, since the All-Star break, but based on really since you know, the I, I look back at the schedule, the last time I think that they really were playing at a, a high level was uh, the mid, mid-June. Uh, they weren't playing well before the All-Star break, leading into you know basically a, you know, mid-June onto that. They've sucked since. Uh, at this point, I would do nothing of substance. I would not be buying, period. Uh, for the, I don't think if you take a look at the wild card situation, of which they're currently not part of, teams are going to be competing against for those spots. Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and Miami, I think are all better rosters right now than the Diamondbacks. They have fewer weaknesses than the Diamondbacks. Maybe Miami does. That's the one you maybe could argue. But I think there's no argument that Milwaukee, Cincinnati, and Philadelphia are clearly better rosters right now than the Diamondbacks. And I also think that clearly Milwaukee's going to add offense, Cincinnati's going to add pitching, and Philadelphia is probably going to add both. Those teams are going to get significantly better possibly, but definitely better, maybe significantly better between now and Tuesday in the trade deadline. And I don't think the Diamondbacks, unless they could get the Otani, (laughs) which ain't happening now, if I don't think it was ever going to happen. But I don't think the Diamondbacks can make an impact move that's going to move ahead of those two teams, those three teams, actually. I think the wild cards, I'd be now surprised if they made the wild card. So they should not do anything drastic. They've got a lot of good young players in the core. They've got minor league players, some who I've seen a little bit of, some who I've not seen ever at all, uh, that uh, you know, supposedly have bright futures here. I would just stay intact at this point because I think that this is a sinking ship. Uh, the masses are on the yes side of things here at 54.5% of the vote, no sitting at 45.5% on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. That does seem to have gotten a little closer over time. Yeah, the other thing is, you know, their season win total was 74 and a half, 75 and a half, and I, I hope that they go over because, uh, you know, two of my best friends and uh, also Matt and Phoenix, who I consider a friend, uh, is they all bet it over. So hopefully they win that. 
But they start if they don't turn this around pretty soon, I'd be concerned whether they're actually going to go over 74 and a half wins by the end of the season. Uh, also, we had mentioned here because we were talking about Otani and the moves that the Angels had made yesterday. They're winning five nothing over Detroit in the bottom of the seventh. Otani now six innings. He's given up one hit, one walk, and six strikeouts. Thrown only 70 pitches, so I assume that that pitching arm is doing okay. Well, I thought that until he just swung out, swung, struck out, and on swing, sw- flailing away, swinging at the third strike to end the last inning, and then he went to the dugout shaking his pitching arm again, but he's out there pitching again to start this inning. They're up five to nothing against a team that is feeble on offense. Get them out of the damn game. All right. The Angels doing something stupid. Can you imagine such a thing? It's Shocking. If you want to hear more about uh, Bob's opinions and takes on that, you can go podcast hour number one in the second segment. We certainly got into all of that. And uh, and yesterday. And, and yesterday. Podcast. And prob- probably the next four days. So. <laughs> KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app to always find podcasts. We wrap up this Thursday, July 27th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. He, of course, is Bob Camp. Kayla Mortolaro with you right here on KDOS AM 1060. Follow us online at KDOS1060.com and with that KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Final segment coming up next. Now time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Seventh edition of Extra Point, KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it's thank you time, though, once again. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sips through the cracks. Also, our guest today, we had a Cardinal season preview with Howard Balzer. Also, Friday, we're going to conclude our week-long preview of the NFC West. We'll talk Rams at the 9-15 and also the Seahawks at 10-15. That during the extra point, of course. Uh, Sound of the day courtesy of Fox, LAD 570, uh, ESPNU, uh, KLAA in Los Angeles, the Angels flagship, KMVP, WTMG, and also Bally Sports Wisconsin. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. Uh, so I guess things are really heating up here. Uh, Colorado, are they off to the Big 12? You have the Big 12 approving the school yesterday, according to reports, and Colorado. Uh, board is expect to, expected to meet today for the final approval to go back to uh, the Big 12. 
Yeah, I know they had a preliminary Board of Regents things yesterday, and I don't know if Dion's healthy enough to be in attendance, but he clearly is leading the uh, the charge for them to get the heck out of the Pac-12 and into the Big 12. Uh, so if that all comes together and then when this would take place in 2024, uh, the Big 12 would have 13 teams. So you'd have to wonder, think that they would want to at least get to 14. So who would that be? You know, there had obviously been all those conversations about UConn. There had been talks about the four corner schools of the Pac-12 with Utah, uh, uh Arizona and U of A. It seems like uh, U of A president Michael uh, Robbins has yeah. been a little bit more uh, accepting or uh, he listening. Wants, he wants he wants in if he does truth serum. He wants in partly because of basketball too. I, yes, I think so. And whereas ASU has hasn't really been as active in that conversation, at least publicly. When it comes to U.S. women's soccer yesterday, it ended in a 1-1 draw with the Netherlands yesterday. The Netherlands scored in the 17th minute. Lindsey Horan tied it up with a header on a corner by Rose Lavelle in the 62nd minute. Uh, The U.S. had some chances later on, including Alex Morgan. She scored, but she was called offsides, and she was definitely offsides. Uh, So it ended in a 1-1 draw there. Julie Ertz, she played really well. Uh, blocked what would have been a go-ahead goal for the Netherlands, too, later on in the contest. So the group play continues. They'll play Portugal on Tuesday. Uh, They have to win or draw against Portugal in order to advance out of group stage play. So we'll see how that unfolds for U.S. women's soccer in the World Cup. And then uh, YouTube TV has struck a deal with Warner Brothers Discovery for a Sunday ticket and Max bundle. Don't know the pricing details yet on all of this, but currently uh, Sunday ticket standalone is $399 for the upcoming season. Of course, Sunday ticket going to YouTube TV away from DirecTV this year, and then it's $439 for Sunday ticket if you also want to get it with Red Zone. So maybe the Sunday ticket max bundle might uh, entice some more people to join YouTube TV and Sunday ticket. I wonder... Does this mean that it's slow going for Sunday Ticket, putting this bundle together? I'm, I'm curious what that ultimately means. I guess we'll find out as uh, the season fast approaches. That'll do it for this Thursday edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As Bob mentioned, NFC West previews continue with the Rams at 915 and the Seahawks at 1015. We'll do it. Also, with Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, that's all happening tomorrow. Talk to you then.